0: The doctor had seemed more concerned about the lump that I had, having just shown it to her on the off chance that it warranted taking action. A year, I told her. That was how long it had been noticeable, protruding from the top of my foot as though a golf ball had been stitched beneath the skin. It did not hurt, I explained, which is why I virtually ignored it all of this time. Recently, however, there had been little discomfort when wearing shoes, As if the increased mass of my foot was now too much to fit inside my favorite brogues. We will need to do some tests. She told me, her eyes meeting mine as she tried to portray the seriousness of the situation. Okay. I told her. So what is it? The chances are that it's harmless. Most likely a ganglion cyst. It will have to be removed. Nevertheless, we need to arrange an ultrasound scan to rule out anything more... Serious. Cancer, I realized, the thought having not entered my head thus far. I did my best over the next few days to keep any panic from my mind, having read online that the chances of it being cancerous growth were less than 2 in 100. Even so, the doctors were incredibly efficient, and I received an appointment for the ultrasound within a week. "'Looks like a cyst!' I was told as an implement was run across my bare foot, squelching through the cold jelly. It looks like a cyst or it is one, like for definite, I asked, needing some clarification. It looks like a cyst, the ultrasound nurse repeated, this time taking his eyes from the monitor to look at me. I would bet that it is a cyst. That said, There have been many times that we've been wrong and not known until the surgeon started taking it off. Either way, it's got to go. I was told to expect an appointment for surgery very soon, most likely at a private facility due to the longer waiting lists at public hospitals. Ten days later, I found myself in the waiting area of a small private hospital, on the surgery list of a Mr. Yambus. The morning, they told me, that was as specific as they could be but I would be one golf-ball-sized lump lighter by midday. Due to the anesthetic, I was not to eat that day, and as I sat as patiently as I could, my stomach began to rumble. After almost four hours of pacing the waiting room and watching all the other patients disappear to theater, I went to inquire about the holdup. "'Mr. Yambis is on his lunch break now, I'm afraid.' The crow faced receptionist told me. I'm supposed to be having an operation this morning. What time will it be then? Take a seat. I'll find out. With that, the receptionist left her station, scurried away down the corridor. This is the point at which I should have felt that something was amiss. Her absence for the next 45 minutes being a good indicator. Three quarters of an hour spent sat in that room alone, No other patients, no visitors, and, now, not even the receptionist. The only time I stood from the chair was to visit the toilet, which was at one end of the room. If I had needed to venture further, maybe I would have seen that all was not as it should have been. If I had attempted to go back to the street, then I may well have panicked upon finding the large glass doors of the main entrance now locked. I remained blissfully unaware only mildly irritated by the delay, more distraught by the lack of food. Despite the strangeness of the situation, I played the part of the model patient, waiting as instructed. Finally, the receptionist returned. Physically, she appeared the same, but there was something unfamiliar about her. I could not put my finger on it, only a sense that she had returned and was now different. Her voice was slower than before, her eyes not quite looking at me as she spoke. "'Sorry for the delay,' she mumbled, her gaze just passing over my left shoulder. "'The doctor is ready for you now. Follow me.' She led me along the corridor from which she had appeared, arriving at a staircase to my left. I glanced up the stairs ahead of me and saw that the next floor was in darkness." As we began to ascend the stairs, the light fading, I had to ask the reason. Is there something wrong with the lights up here? Not that I'm aware of, she replied. But it's an old building. It seems a little dim upstairs, I'm afraid. A little dim? I thought. It's almost completely black. At the top of the stairs, we passed through a doorway into a narrow corridor with drab red carpets. The walls were painted in the repossessed house color of magnolia with a hideous burgundy, floral, border, wallpapered along them. Damp patches appeared above the skirting boards, and all was eerily silent. This is your room, I was told, the words sounding almost robotic as they slowly struck my ears. Get into the gown, and I'll be back soon. I pushed open the door to the private room. Expecting the same level of darkness, but my eyes were in for a shock. There was no issue with the lighting inside, the brilliance of it causing my pupils to retract suddenly. Once inside, I closed the door and looked around. It was spotlessly clean, as a hospital room should be, but in stark contrast to the corridor outside. There was a private bathroom and a hospital bed, a machine for taking observations, even a television fixed against the wall. The uneasy experience outside soon dissipated, once inside, and I stripped out of my clothes, unsure whether or not to leave my underwear on beneath the gown that had been provided. I decided that, as the surgery was to be on my foot, there was no need for me to expose everything to the medical staff. A few minutes later, as I struggled to drag the surgical stocking across my good foot, the receptionist returned and invited me to follow her once again into the darkness of the corridor. We walked slowly through the darkness, my eyes following the line of wallpaper on the other side of me. It was unexpectedly long in the hallway, and it was only as I started to feel we had walked further than I had anticipated that I began to notice that there had been no breaks in the wallpaper. No breaks, and, therefore, no other doors, which could have led to other rooms. As I weighed up whether or not to inquire about this oddity, the receptionist stopped suddenly. Slowly, she raised an arm, pointing ahead into the blackness. Take the lift down to level B. Someone will meet you there. I could see no lift, or anything else up ahead but I made my way cautiously, regardless. B, I muttered to myself. ''As in basement?'' I came across the shiny surface of the lift door. I was relieved to find the inside of it was as brightly lit as my room had been. There was a choice of three buttons to press. 1, G, and B. It was obvious that I was currently on level 1, the first floor and as unsettling as it sounded. I had to accept that level B was indeed the basement. In the short moments that the lift was in motion, I feared that I might step out into some horrific scene. Some insane surgeon strapping patients to a metal table in the middle of a poorly lit room. This was not, however, the case. I was greeted by a young woman as the lift doors parted. She spoke in broken English as she explained that she was the anesthetist and led me to a small room next door to the lift shaft. Do you have any allergies? She asked, her accent sounding as though she may be Polish or Russian, perhaps. I told her that I did not have any allergies, and she indicated to the bed, which I climbed upon, doing my best to keep my underwear covered. You'll feel a little prick, she told me holding a long, thin syringe in one hand. My immature streak showed itself for a second as I let a little smile pass my lips at the words, Little Prick. As it happened, it was a rather sizable prick as I felt the needle pierce a substantial vein in the top of my left hand. Count backwards from ten. She ordered, placing a mask across my nose and mouth. Out loud. Ten. Nine, eight, seven. And then, I must have been gone. I could not say how long I was out for, only that when I came around, I was back in the room. My room, tucked into the bed. The television was on, showing some kind of talk show, and sat in the chair. With his back to me was a man. I tried to speak, but could not make a sound come out. Must be the anesthetics, I thought. I tried to move my arms, but I had no luck with that either. This was the first time that I had had surgery, during my adult life at least. I was unsure of what was normal and what was not, so I waited, certain that I would regain some sensation shortly. It felt like an age before the man turned towards me. And if I had been physically able to, I may well have recoiled from the side of his face. He instantly reminded me of a comic book villain, severe burns causing the left side of his face and neck to appear discolored and lumpy. His left eye was no longer present, and rather than opting to wear any form of eye patch, his face featured a gaping black hole instead. How is the patient feeling? He asked, in a voice much more well-spoken and confident than I had expected. I could not answer, my mouth barely moving. Ah, yes. You won't be able to speak yet, I am afraid. Can you blink? I tried blinking and found this to be manageable. One for yes, two for no. Are you feeling all right? Of course not. I can't move or talk. I blinked twice. I see, he said, seemingly unsurprised. Well, I am Dr. Yambus, he told me. I performed your operation. That was quite a lump you had there. However, I'm afraid I have a bit of bad news. My eyes felt wide. Worried about what was coming next. It turned out that the lump, which we had hoped was simply a ganglion cyst, was actually an egg. Rather unusual, I would say. Nevertheless, don't worry. We dealt with it. And all those little buggers which came spewing out as soon as the scalpel hit it. (laughs) The doctor said this with a chuckle as if what he was telling me was an amusing anecdote that he was sharing at a cocktail party. My mind raced, wanting to know more about what had happened, yet unable to speak. I attempted to concentrate my mind onto the foot, to try to detect anything out of the ordinary, but there was nothing. Terror began to creep in, as I realized that I could not feel any parts of my body. "'I bet you'd like to start feeling again,' The doctor declared, as if he had read my mind. Even so, trust me, you won't want to just yet. Would you like to watch the surgery? We record all of our procedures for the medical students. I can put it on for you if you'd like. I paused, unsure if I really wanted to see my foot being cut open. If I have no way of looking at my actual foot, then I suppose it's my only choice. I thought I blinked once Jolly good The doctor said A sly look appearing across his face I have some things to attend to So I'll leave it to you Once he had pressed some buttons On the television remote The doctor left the room Leaving me to view the gruesome reality Of what I'd been through The video began with my unconscious body Being wheeled into an operating theater By the young anesthetist I appeared as I expected to look, the mask still attached to my face, the hospital gown covering my body, one surgical stocking in place, the first few minutes showing the doctor making preparations as he painted my foot with an orange liquid, drawing a line across the lump with black marker pen, which I presumed to indicate the planned incision line. I was surprised that there were no other medical staff present. And as I pondered this, I watched the doctor move towards my foot with the scalpel. An egg, I wondered, trying to convince myself that I had misheard him. However, I had not. I watched with widening eyes as the blade opened up the top of my foot, a jet of thick black liquid squirting from the newly formed entrance. If I had been able to gasp, that would have been the time to do it. There was no sound on the video, so I could not tell if the doctor had anything to say. But he did keep looking toward the camera. With a length of dressing, he cleaned away the black mess until the opening was more visible, before beginning to scrape out the contents of the growth. It was next that I saw what he meant. The little buggers. One, then another, then a handful more. Small black bugs of some description came jumping out of the wound. I would have guessed that they were the size of little flies. No sooner had they landed on the surrounding skin that they seemed to disappear again. It took me a moment to realize that they had not disappeared at all. Instead, they had immediately burrowed their way back inside of me. More and more emerged from the opening, reaching further up my leg before disappearing from sight. The doctor turned towards the camera once again, but I could not hear what was being said. As he turned back to his patient, a frenzy appeared to take over him as he tried to rid me of the infestation, scalpel in hand. He stabbed at my legs, digging holes as he tried to coax the creatures out of my body. I watched in horror as he inflicted the wounds my gown beginning to turn a terrifying shade of red. I lost count of the times that my skin had been pierced. The doctor turned towards the stainless steel table beside him, picked up a pair of scissors, proceeding to cut my gown down the middle. He pulled both sides away so that they hung from each side of my bed as he eyed my bare chest. It looked as though he was checking for any signs that I had been bored into by whatever had made a home inside my foot. And, just when I thought it was all clear, he launched another ferocious attack, dotting my whole body with shallow wounds. Finally, as I lay there soaked in blood, a gaping black hole in my foot, the doctor appeared to be satisfied. He took one last look at the camera before choosing the hacksaw from the table. If it were not for my paralysis, I imagined that I would have vomited as I watched him remove my foot, placing it into a clear plastic bag. He disappeared off camera for a moment, carrying my foot with him, and returned with the anesthetist. They spoke to one another briefly, as he pointed out the wounds that he had inflicted on me. I watched her nodding in agreement to whatever she was being told before walking away. Then the video ended, and I lay there, in shock. I could not move my body. I could not feel anything and worse than this. I could not even see the damage that had been done, as I was unable to remove the duvet. The video had only been ended for a minute or two before the doctor returned to the room. "'Are you okay?' he asked, somewhat stupidly. I blinked twice. "'I know it's a lot to take in.' There's no hurry. Let me explain what has happened. The doctor continued to stand above me, his deformed face staring into my paralyzed one. As you saw, you had an infestation. It's rare, but it does happen. We've taken a sample from you as you could see. That was my foot, not a bloody sample, I thought. Unable to say it aloud. Unfortunately, these little critters are rather hardy and not at all that easy to kill, you see, which is why we had to take some precautions to stop them spreading to the outside world. My mind struggled from this point on as the doctor explained that I had to be given a drug, one I had not heard of, which effectively prevented me from being able to move or feel. He had to tell me three times before I understood that this was now permanent. You are a host, he told me, seeming to relish the condition that I had somehow found myself suffering from. Which is why we need to keep you here. Briefly, Dr. Yambus disappeared from sight, returning from the bathroom with a mirror That he had removed from the wall. He looked at my eyes with his one eye as he held the mirror above me. It was angled at such that I could see my chest. You see? he asked. I looked at the reflection, taking in the numerous wounds now coated in dry blood. However, this was not the worst of it, for they would heal. Spread across my chest were four lumps much smaller than the one that had been on my foot, but clearly there, and undoubtedly growing. If one had been enough to amputate my foot, I knew then that I could not survive this. Get some rest, the doctor told me, grinning as though he took pleasure in my predicament. We may need to operate shortly.